Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministries to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. This is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. I am Mike Sandlin of Cape Fear Men. Thank you for joining us today. You have heard me say more than once this past year has been one for the books. Men have dealt with issues uh, due to many restrictions from the COVID pandemic. One of those issues may be dealing with marriages as husbands and wives have been at home more this year, coping with each other uh, because of the pandemic's effects. Unfortunately, some of those marriages have ended in divorce or are headed that way. And according to our guest website, every week, more than 15,000 divorces take place, plunging 30,000 people into a black hole of pain, confusion, and hurt. Today, my guest is founder of Men's Divorce Recovery, a ministry that works with men struggling with divorce. His name is Dale Brown. Thanks, Dale. Appreciate you joining me today. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Mr. Mike. Good to have you, man. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself here. Dale began uh, uh, Men's Divorce Recovery back in 2016 as he went through his own divorce after 32 years of marriage. Convinced that every man who is divorced can uh, experience God's love and transformation, Dale launched Men's Divorce Recovery to help men find God and his plan for the second half of their lives. Dale's life mission is to fervently love God and people, expressing that love frequently and preserving it forever. He desires to be used by God to help others on their journey with Christ as we grow into his likeness in whatever context, place, and life situation God chooses, thus fulfilling the great commission, the great uh, great commandment, and the cultural mandate. Dale has pastored six churches in Texas and New England, traveled and taught overseas, led men's retreats and conferences. He holds a, he holds a BS from uh, University of Texas, and a Master of Divinity from the and PhD degrees from Southwestern Baptist Theological. I met Dale a couple of years ago at the ISI Network Leadership Conference, and uh, and he has been uh, a guest for me at, as a breakout speaker at the Iron Sharpest Iron Conference in Wilmington back in March of 2020, before all the COVID-19 protocols were in place. And man, it has indeed been an interesting year in ministry, hasn't it, Dale? It has been something else. But one good thing is the uh, more access through Zoom and different platforms to talk to guys without quite so much trouble or uh, inconvenience. So that's that's been a positive, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely caused us to learn some new ways to do ministry. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, let me ask you this: as we get started, there's a, there's a couple of questions I always like to ask my guests um, uh, as we get started in ministry, just a little learn a little bit more about them and what God is doing in their lives and and how God uh, captured their hearts, so to speak. But uh, what is your favorite verse, or what is a verse that maybe God is using right now to speak into your life, and why is that verse so meaningful to you? That's a great question. Um, lately, I have memorized Psalm 8611, which says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And uh, what I love about that verse is it says, Teach me your way. And uh, the way that he's going to uh, teach me has been teach me how, how to rely on his faithfulness. And those always come when you have opportunity not to be faithful. You know, when hard times come and you're waiting for God to answer prayer, waiting for God to make that provision. Uh, and I, uh, you know, he, he makes that provision. He comes through. And it just is amazing to see that verse lived out in my own life. 
And I know that being taught is, uh, you know, if you're the pupil, it's a tough place to be. Um, mm-hmm. And then the second part, just give me an undivided heart, then that has pushed me to focus completely on on God every every chance I get. Mm. Okay. Well, it's interesting and, uh, that you said you were memorizing that verse. I know a lot of our guys don't memorize verses. I talk to them a lot of times, and it's one of the things we need to be doing because, you know, the Scripture tells us to um, in Psalm 119.11 about hiding the Word of God in our hearts so that we uh, might not sin against Him. And mm-hmm. the only way we can do that is by memorization. I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, tell me something. When when did you um, – what is your story about coming to Christ? What was, what was that all about, and how did that happen? Well, I started going to the Southern Baptist Church when I was uh, in my mother's womb. So <laughs> a strong Southern Baptist family. <laughs> and we ended up going to Hyde Park Baptist Church in Austin, which is a, a great church here. Ralph Smith was a pastor. But it wasn't until I was uh, on a mission trip with my church choir in Utah that God really got me. And basically on that trip, he just revealed to me who I really was in my heart. I thought I was a pretty good guy. You know, I was making good grades and, and stayed out of trouble. But he, uh, through some circumstances, just showed me that I I am not the, the guy I I had made myself out to be. I was a um, I was a really dark heart and a dark mind. And and in that moment, God and I just had a wrestling match. And after a couple hours, and I relented and gave over to him. And everything changed at that moment. That was uh, in, when I was 16 years old. Mm. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting that uh, uh, you came to Christ in high school. I know a lot of our men uh, uh, don't come to, to Christ at young of an age. Sometimes it's later in life after they've made some serious mistakes <laughs> and they realize they need help. But uh, thank God that he, uh, he touched your life at that time. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about men's, men's uh, divorce recovery a little bit. How did uh, God move you into that? How did men's divorce recovery uh, begin? How did it get started? Well, it got started because I got divorced, and that was not my choice. I was uh, had been married for over thirty years, and uh, it was committed to you know fulfilling the vows and, and you know that I made to in front of eight hundred people and in front of God the thirty years before my wedding. Um, but unexpectedly, then my wife left me after thirty-two years of marriage, and that was that came after several other really bad uh, things that happened, like a job loss and essentially career loss and everything at the age of fifty-two. Um, so. So I found myself divorced and as I started to look for resources for men. Uh, I didn't find any. I'm a book guy. And so the first thing I do is go look on the Internet for books on Amazon. And I did find a, a devotional written by Kristen Armstrong, who is the former wife of Lance Armstrong, who is of Austin fame in Austin, Texas, where I live and grew up. He is certainly very famous. But Kristen was married about five years to Lance Armstrong before he ran off with another woman. And um, her little book was good, her her uh, divorce devotional. And I read it and I thought, this is great, but you know, there needs to be something for men because I've always been involved in men's ministry and and love working with men and know that the male journey is so much different than than the female journey. And so as I say, I wrote the book that I wish – I had in the book, I hope you never need. And that's a daily survival guide for divorced men. And that really just was an outpouring of God into my heart uh, very early in the morning, waking up and just hearing what he was saying to me and writing again, the book that I wish I had had and, uh, and the book that unfortunately so many other guys really need. 
I need that grounding. I need that help. Uh, the experience was, it came out of the blue. I was shocked and stunned. And, uh, you know, you think a lot of thoughts and you, uh, you and a lot of guys do a lot of things that can be so devastating. But I had a few minutes after, you know, when I, in the, in the aftermath of immediate aftermath of being, you know, coming home to find my house gone. I mean, my wife gone from the house. I had a few minutes when I thought, well, you know, I could just go do what I want to now. I'm, you know, I've been in ministry all my life and, and uh, now I don't have to go to church and no one's really watching me now. I've kind of been abandoned and isolated and alone and I could just do what I want. But then I thought, that's really not who I am. I'm really a, a, a man that was called by God to follow him and, and, and live out my call and serving him in Christian ministry. Um, and so this is one direction that that calling took. It's not what I chose. You know, if, you know I wouldn't have known how to do it as a, unless I had been divorced. You know, as a pastor, I work with a lot of guys going through divorce and a lot of couples and stuff and um, never thought I'd be there. But when I was there, then I knew it was such a unique place to be in such an underserved population and such a needy and hurting population of men who are going through divorce that um, God just called me into, into working with divorced guys because the stakes are really high. A, a divorced guy can either, you know, find God in that moment or be, you know, kept in the, in fellowship with the Lord and the church. Or he can just do what a lot of guys do, and that is isolate and just get lost in pornography and you know alcohol and drugs, whatever. And then those people just end up in um, you know legacies that are so damaged and and just a wake of hurt relationships. And and the church has missed out on what they could have done uh, in serving him. So it's it's one of those crucial points for a man if a guy has to experience that, that either things can go well and a lot of people can be served, including future spouses, future children, stepchildren, or, you know, that guy can just uh, fall into despair and then end up bitter and alone and, and, uh, and, and lost in self-destruction. So I see it as a real place of opportunity and ministry, high stakes and underserved. Yeah, I, you know, it's the interesting thing, uh, talking about men getting in, uh, connect, um, caught up in so many uh, uh, areas and situations once they go through something devastating in their life. And, of course, divorce is a devastating uh, process in your life. And if you're not careful, you can get caught up in, in other bad behaviors uh, uh, as you try to cope through that. But you mentioned your book that you're talking about, you hope no, uh, most guys will never have to use your daily survival guide for divorcement. That's a, that's a devotional guide. Isn't it, isn't it more like a, a, I think it's something like a 90 day devotional guide for the men. How's that process work as they work through that book? It's a 91 day devotional that you can give to a guy or a guy can pick up. And, uh, and it really is with the goal of taking them through the emotions they're experiencing and, and some of the behaviors they may be experiencing and leading them, you know, in 90 days to a better place with God. Um, 90 days is not going to fix you. You know, the divorce process is really long. I mean, we're talking, you know, one to three to five years of healing, but at least it's something that can help stabilize somebody when a guy, when they're, when they're going through those initial phases of divorce. Mm. Um, I also have a workbook, a 10 session workbook that can be used in groups uh, or, or individually that's been helpful to guys. 
Um, and I have a third book that I'm just about finished with called Quick Start Guide for Divorce. Men. And that'd be the one that you really want to give to someone right off the bat. And here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. Because <laughs> a, a man going through divorce, you know, for some of those guys, it's terrible. You know, they are really at a fragile place and really self-destruct quickly. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I know that... Uh, when I was with you a couple of years ago up at the leadership conference, you gave me that book because I was actually discipling someone who was going through the process of divorce and you recommended that I give him that book. And it seemed to seem that book helped him out to something. I don't know if he ever reached out to you or not. I encouraged him to do that, but yeah. uh, it was, uh, it, it, it apparently helped him out to some degree as he was initially going through his divorce. So I'd encourage you guys out there are listening that are, that are in that process to, to pick up that book, uh, uh, get up with Dale and order that book and work it. This pandemic has been pretty tough on a lot of guys. Have you, uh, have you seen an uptick in um, marriage struggles this year through your ministry and dealing with um, men going through divorces? I think we have. I think for couples that were strong before the pandemic, then the additional time together, you know, a lot uh, in isolation has been uh, helpful, you know, but if you're in a negative situation where the atmosphere in the home is, is caustic and toxic, then uh, this pandemic's only really increased that. I think it's driven men into isolation and more difficulty in finding perhaps the healthy alone time that they need. Uh, and instead they have isolated away from their families and that never helps, you know, a marital situation at all. So it's definitely for in some cases, I think it's helped people in other cases, it's really uh, kind of brought out the worst in, in people. And that's really, you know, comes out in marriage and in divorce, increase in divorces. Yeah. I could see where, uh, uh, even with, uh, I have to admit, even with my wife and I, even though we're both uh, at home all the time because of the nature of what we do now, it, uh, uh, we did have a careers where we were gone from each other, you know, for at least eight hours, sometimes 12 hours in the day and being together. It's, it was, it's a new paradigm that we had <laughs> to get used to, you know, new, new, new relationships of little idiosyncrasies that you have to get used to with each other. Mm -hmm. And when you're when, like that, you don't uh, necessarily see that. And of course, we're empty nesters too. And so that mm -hmm. makes a different, different perspective when you say, you see a lot of guys a lot of couples, I should say it that way, who who do become empty nesters, it seems like shortly thereafter, they're divorcing. And uh, I, do, do you deal with a lot of guys in, in that situation? I mean, you, you were 32 years in, in, in your marriage, I think is what you, your testimony is. And, and so mm -hmm. you were probably close to that realm too, if not into that. Yeah, in a, in a way, we call it gray divorce. And there's definitely a wave of gray divorce. I, I think mm -hmm. the Al Gore and his wife, when they got divorced after many years and they just sort of said, well, you know, people live longer today. And so it's unreasonable to think that anybody would be happy for 50, 60 years. So it's just time for a change. I think some of that great divorce is that, uh, but a lot of it is emptiness. You know, when the children leave, well, then you're left with each other. And if you haven't built a, a passion or a purpose together that you're really serving together, cherishing the other, well, then it certainly is the easiest time to leave. And frankly, for women, uh, for moms, you know, a lot of times the dad is just there to provide for those children. And when those children are gone, then that provision is no longer needed. And I think that's kind of what happened to me. 
you know, I was useful as long as the kids were in the house. And then when they were out of the house, then it became easier to, to uh, or at least at a place where they were stable and, and, and I don't know, it was, it was, like, there are a lot of factors I'm sure involved in every divorce, but a uh, great divorce is definitely a huge thing uh, right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. I have got a story I sometimes tell about uh, uh, when I was working, I was speaking to a gentleman. We were talking about marriage and about uh, loving your wife and things of that nature. And he asked me, he said, how long have you been married? And at that time, it had been a little over 40 years, you know, mm -hmm. or about 40 years, something of that nature. And he looked at me and he said, to the same woman? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, yes, to the same woman. I hope I'm married to her for another 40 years, you know. <laughs> it's just amazing at some, some of the mentality our men have these days regarding that. When I'm looking at your website, I one of the first things I come across in your website, uh, I think it's the second page or the second line item on your menu, is numbers to call in case of immediate crisis mm. uh you know being a man that's not even even thought about going through divorce or being in a divorce or something like that it just kind of kind of stunned me into some degree some of these numbers you have on here if you want to speak toward to that a little bit to help guys understand mm -hmm. the seriousness of, of going through a divorce how that can really truly affect your life well, you definitely have in, in divorce, one person leaves and the other's left. So you have the lever and the one that's left. The one that has made the choice to leave uh, has thought through all the processes and has gone through the grief and, 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 then, the, and then has justified him or herself to make that decision to, to file for divorce. Now, sometimes, you know, that's a mutually agreed upon thing, or at least it's not unexpected. But for a lot of times, and especially I'm finding this with men today, it's the wife who chooses to leave. 80% of the divorces are filed by women in America, which is shocking. So mm -hmm. they are making decisions to leave. And uh, and they set up, they set up their own bank accounts and they, you know, they, they get their friends to help them talk it through and sometimes encourage them. Uh, and that means you're, if you're the guy, on the receiving end of this news, like I was, well, then you're the one that's left. And uh, sometimes the, it's the guy who is the perpetrator. Maybe he's been having affairs and, you know, this is, he shouldn't be surprised, but they always are, you know. Um, or sometimes it's just a wife that's decided to, uh, to leave for whatever reasons. But it is, it is a shocking thing and it's a stunning thing. I think the people who are thinking of divorce think that um, divorce if they go through with it, it's just a little hill to climb. And once they climb that little hill, everything's going to be okay and really awesome. And they think that staying married is this gigantic mountain that there's no way they can climb that mountain. And exactly the opposite is true. Uh, staying married is not as hard as people think it is. It's really cheap. Just be nice, hug each other, pay attention to each other, love each other, cherish the other person. These are things that can be done. But divorce is a mountain that uh, once you start up, it is super hard. It is costly. It's devastating. And the devastation really just is the fact that God puts two people together. And anytime you rip that apart, uh, whether justified or not, it just is it's a horrible thing. And, and the price is paid by both parties. But if you're the guy who's left in that situation, then you're not just losing your wife, but usually the kids are going with the wife. And that's why the suicide rate among men is higher than among divorcing women, because so much of their identity as a woman is tied to, um, you know, having the kids and they usually get to keep the kids. 
Whereas oftentimes, you know, as one guy wrote, he said, you know, why am I thinking of suicide? Well, you know, I had a great job and had a family and nice home. And now I'm sitting in one bedroom apartment having lost all that due to, you know, her walking away from me. So men are find themselves more isolated and already without a strong network of friends. They're in a place of loneliness and anger. And, um, and they, and when you're, when a guy gets in those places, uh, then we can think of a lot of things. And as I say to every man who's going through divorce, I, I say two things. Number one, don't make it worse. You're going to be thinking a lot of things. Just don't do them. You can think about, you know, suicide. You can, a lot of guys thinking homicide, you know, rather to the spouse or to the guy who she's having an affair with or whatever. Um, they're thinking of, you know, self-destructive behaviors. I said, think a lot of things, just don't do them. God's going to change your thinking too. But right now don't do anything that's going to make it worse. And the second thing I asked them to do is to consider their legacy and to project forward on how they want to be remembered and and, and in light of that to determine to finish well. I'm a big believer in kind of writing your your obituary now and then living for that obituary, uh, you know, in the future. And that was a big part in my life. You know, when I went through this, I was devastating. I thought of suicide, you know, I didn't think homicide. So that was a good thing. But, you know, I do. You do think of self-destruction because you're just um, you're just devastated. But um, but knowing that I wanted my kids to think well of me and that I had a big impact on them. Now, how I reacted and in the future compelled me to make good choices in order to finish well. So you know, tell guys don't make it worse, and then determine now that you're going to finish well. And that will help you get to that place. But, you know, if you're if a guy is suicidal, you know, you call 911. Um, I've worked in a co- very various context of healthcare and emergency chaplaincy and all that kind of stuff. And when you if you're if you're thinking of suicide, then you dial 911. That is not the end of your life. You know, they're not going to throw you in jail. They, ambulances come, the crews, paramedics, they, they handle the situation all the time. I've seen them come and and rescue people that are in that place. If you're thinking of doing harm to yourself or someone else, um, we want you to, um, and it was because her husband was having a lot of affairs and all those kinds of things. But, you know, I wish I had her around. And when I thought of the devastation she left in our world, when she left uh, 23 years ago, then I thought, I don't want to be like that. Um, and, you know, if I tell guys who are thinking of suicide too, I say, you know, this is what you're going to be remembered for. You may be an awesome yeah. guy. You may be, have a great yeah. legacy. You may be a great pastor, whatever, or doctor, yeah. but you always going to be remembered for this. And that's not a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah. It's kind of interesting that you, you made this statement a few minutes ago about, uh, uh, I didn't realize that it was this high, but I knew it was high. It was 80% of the most of divorces is when the, the wife leaves. And uh, do you think a number of our men that you uh, are, are blindsided by that? They, they, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a, you know, obviously there are some cases where the husband and wife uh, are having trouble and, it, and they're not surprised, but it seems that th- with numbers that high, it would be that a number of the guys were blindsided. They, they had no clue that she was getting ready to walk out the door. Well, that I, what I found in working with divorced guys, and it's just that every story is so different. There's so many variables in every every relationship and every divorce that's really hard to pin down. But I do think, you know, as my work as a pastor for many years, I would have guys come in devastated that my wife is leaving me. And recently, last you know, 15, 20 years, when we've tried to talk to that wife of recon, to reconsider, man, they are dead set. They are full steam ahead with divorce. Once they decide, 
and that was my now ex-wife. Once she decided, I had a pastor friend she went to, and she, he said she was she was decided. And I think there's something women are being taught, or there's something in the atmosphere. I don't know, but women feel more empowered to make that decision and to walk away. There's also the walk away wife syndrome. You can look that up, and that's where a, a wife, instead of mm-hmm. investing into the marriage, is actually putting her energy into getting out of the marriage. And they start to you know, sequester away money and you know s- separate bank accounts, and they're planning a leaving, and that's what they do. I think if if those women would invest in a marriage more than getting out of the marriage, that might work out. But then there's a lot of guys that are just it, you know they deserve it. <laughs> you know they're they're the perpetrator. I'd say I would say that when you know when it comes to blame that. Uh, it's not a 50-50 thing by any means. One person has made that decision uh, to get out of the marriage. And, you know, when you get married, it's a democracy. Two people are making a vote for one for each other to make this union. But when it comes to divorce, it's definitely a dictatorship. And one person is making that decision unilaterally for the entire family. And that's a very devastating place to be. So, um, But, yeah, it seems like women are more committed to leaving the marriage and to not considering reconciliation. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, frankly, you know, it's never entered my mind to to go through a process like that, but, but it would literally scare me to death. You know, if I ever thought, thought I had to go through that, I wouldn't know what to do. I tell people a lot of times, you know, uh, my wife is is my stalwart, so to speak. I, mm-hmm. you know, if, if the Lord decided to take her home here, then you know, today I don't know if I'd survive so many months after that because I depend on her so much, and I just mm-hmm. I just can't imagine marriages that are that broken that mm-hmm. goes through that process. What can we? Um, what can we men? How can we men? Uh, or what can we do to help prevent? our marriage is moving down uh, that kind of a path where our wives would be thinking about marriage. I know you, I know there's some things men can do all the right things and the wife is still bent on, on leaving for whatever reason, but what mm-hmm. can we as men do to try to mitigate that, that issue? What, what would you kind of advice would you give the men to do with that? Well, that's a great question. I think that all men's ministry you know, in, in the circles we run in is pointed toward the right things for men to do and, and right men to be. And that is to be, you know, that, uh, that man who is authentic man who loves his wife, loves his family and is passionately committed to first God, you know, and then to, um, then to his wife and family in, in a way that is loving and tender, and also strong and, and firm. And that's a hard balance to reach. I think men, as we know, and I work with men, Mike, you and I, that that men today in America, we are very, we're given a lot of messages, a lot of double messages. We're we're told a lot of things that we should do and told a lot of things we shouldn't do. And, and, uh, but to stay true to God and to stay true to that family, there are a lot of just free things that men can do and women can do. And that is just be nice. You know, I, so many times marriage seems to get into this competition and, and uh, you know, a competition over resources of time and sex and money and space in the house or whatever. And really marriage is an unselfish giving of oneself to the other where you're cherishing the other. You're wanting the best for the other. And that's the definition of love, willing the good for the for that other person. Um, 
And that's a lot cheaper than divorce. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's yeah. a lot cheaper than divorce. Yeah. If you think you can't do it, then I bet you can. If you were, if you knew the price of divorce, and as uh, Jimmy Evans said, you know, men, you don't want to talk. You don't know. You don't think you can talk. And he said, well, then learn how to. You know, learn how to talk. Um, I do think personality has a lot to do with it. You know, two personalities that need to work together. Uh, can make it happen. But if you have really hard and incompatible personalities, that's just going to be a tough place to be. And some personalities are just harder to uh, manage and to uh, keep happy in the home. But for me, you know, I grew up in a, in a home environment with, you know, my parents had six kids and they stayed together, married for 65 years, although they were pretty unhappily married. But that generation, they would hate each other, but still stayed married because you just can't get divorced. But, uh, you know, with all that criticism and negativity in the home, then I was determined to make it a happy, positive place to be. And I think that the general atmosphere of a house is so imp critically important. In a, in a father, any person can set that tone. Um, I can't remember what study it was, but it said if you, uh, out of 100 interactions between a husband and wife, if only like five of those are negative, then that's really devastating toward, you know, to a marriage. So I think the criticism is just the killer of a marriage. If you can't say something nice, as my mom used to say, just don't say anything at all. You know, the atmosphere, the general atmosphere of the home needs to be positive and non-competitive and and cheerful and that can be done those are things that that really we can do um, okay. yeah what would what would you give to what kind of advice would you give to to couples um who may be contemplating divorce um i know you've mentioned many times and i can i could uh even though i've never gone through one i can uh, totally agree that it probably is cheaper not to go through divorce uh, oh, but, it's uh, yeah, cheaper. Yeah, but what what would you what would you give as far as advice to couples who are contemplating divorce? What would you tell them to do before they do go down that path? Well, in in my years of ministry, I've always told couples this, and that is that there are two times when you should just go slow. That is when you're thinking about getting married, and when you're thinking about getting divorced. So neither one of those are decisions that have to be made immediately, and they're such huge decisions that it. Is most definitely worth taking time. If you're not sure about getting some, marrying that person, then take the time and let God figure it out. Let mm -hmm. you know what's going on. And certainly when it comes to divorce, you know, for years I've had couples come into my office as a pastor. And, you know, my observation is they've gotten so selfish and so turned on each other and, and, and introverted uh, that uh, they're making childish decisions while they're trying to convince me that their children should have to make and should be able to make adult decisions. They don't remember the impact of divorce on kids and kids are just devastated. That, that in and of itself is the reason, primary reason, or at least at the top three reasons to stay married. I had talked, was talking with a guy yesterday and he said, he's telling me a story. He said, I remember, I remember when I was 10 years old, my dad walking out and he turned around and gave me a look that said, I'm, I'm leaving here and you won't see me for a very long time. So out of this guy's 55 years of life, that moment is one he remembered uh, all, all those years later. So don't, you know, if you're thinking, if a couple think about getting divorced, you better think long and hard about it just for the practical matters of, you know, it's costly. You are not going to come out ahead on this thing. It is, mm -hmm. you will lose so much of your, your income and wealth and that kind of stuff. And the second thing is, what does it do? Um, 
you know, I'm not putting these in the right order, I'm sure here, but this is just when God puts something together, you know, the word in the Bible for where Jesus said that you're going to be glued together, you know, you leave and cleave. That word is a word for glue. So when I preach on this in my church, I'd often the night before glue two pieces of plywood together. And then I'd say, you know, if you guys are thinking about getting divorced someone in this room, then you're thinking when you pull yourself apart from the other person, it's going to be a clean break. Um, and I, then I ripped those boards apart. That I glued the night before and it's a mess. And I said, this yeah. is what it is because you're doing something at the fun foundational level that can't be put together. And it is just a lot easier to stay married than it is to, to get divorced. People get these dreams of how awesome it's going to be when you're divorced. And, you know, all these, if you're a guy that these women are going to throw themselves at you. And if you're a woman that you're going to be free from this guy that bugs you and, and it, I'll tell you, it's, there are changes each person can make that are easy. They're not huge uh, shifts in personality. Just turn toward the other and cherish the other person. But do take time get into a counselor and do what they say. I yeah, always I, point I, people back to marriage. Yeah, I, appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that analogy of, uh, of two pieces of plywood being glued together and, and tearing apart, you know, because it goes back and reminds me of the verse from in Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 22, 20, 24, where it says, man shall leave his mom and dad and be joined to mm -hmm. his wife. And mm -hmm. that join, that word join in the Hebrew basically is, 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 is a visualization of that thing right there. I a lot of times had used because I worked with pipe a lot of times in my in my past life uh, of gluing two pieces of uh, PVC pipe together. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do that properly, when you when you pull them apart, it ain't coming apart at the joint. It's coming mm -hmm. it's coming apart of some ragged broken piece of it and because uh because it's so tight and welded together mm -hmm. and so that's a great analogy with the plywood i appreciate you sharing that so it uh it's important uh for for us to understand what that means when we join ourselves together in marriage super let's talk about your uh, ministry a little bit more about uh, what you do i know on your website that you have opportunities where you'll go into the churches and do a uh, t t training session or conferences and uh, things that I may share a little bit about that and how they can get up with you about um, those kinds of opportunities that you can provide to them. Well, COVID has kind of shut down a lot of opportunities lately. Hopefully that's coming back. Hopefully that's yeah. coming back this year. So <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, my ministry is, is like everyone that's called into ministry, I think, and that is to just share Christ and, and the reconciliation he offers with God with each other. But in, in narrowing that witness down, it's more to men and how men can uh, live better in this world and be a, a faithful witness to Christ. And then for divorced men, I don't see, you know, I know there are unique issues related to a man going through divorce. But on the, in the wider context of men's ministry, every man at some point is going to hit that, what Richard Rohr calls the crisis of limitation, uh, where a man is beat down. And at that point, that guy has three choices to make, to keep on trying to be the stud or to end up bitter and alone and isolated and angry or to humble himself and go the way of God. So for me, working with divorce men, this is just their opportunity to step into the life God has for them. So I'm often saying, you know, the, it's not over. You know, the best half of your, of your life is yet to be if you follow God's pathway. But I love to share that in any context, you know, sermons or seminars like ISI uh, online. 
you know, I'm, I'm about to do a Facebook event live that will, I'll be inviting guys to join that since that's kind of the technology we have now. But really, it's a hard demographic to get to. Divorced men uh, are isolated. They feel alone because they've been pushed out. They're usually blamed automatically. If you look at a couple that's getting through the divorce, the man will usually get the blame, whether it's warranted or not. And, uh, and men are already, at, especially later in life, they kind of, they're alone and, and isolated and uh, they don't want help. So, you know, a lot of what I pitch is to the friends and family of divorced guys, you know, here you need to, you need to get them help because they're not going to reach out to you to get it. Uh, but, but it's it's worth reaching in out to them. It's worth even if they kind of spark back at you and you flame at you for for making that attempt. It, this is a group of men that are underserved and are deeply wounded in a society that does not recognize their pain and does not recognize their woundedness, and will call them weak if if they express that that pain. So you really got to reach out and, and reach hard into them and keep after it. And I'm always willing to talk to guys, you know, uh, at any stage of life and, and spend time with them on the phone or whatever works. Yeah, I see on your, yeah, I see on your website, you got something here called uh, divorce coaching and, um, and that you do. So you, do you, uh, do you do a lot of that? And guys, and you mentioned that guys, you like to talk to guys. So again, guys reach out to you and you can help them and coach them through, through the process and how to uh, get over uh, yeah. their uh, divorce. Uh, uh, so all they have to do is just um, email you, call you. What do, what do they need to do? Call me, text me, email me, anything works. And, and you know, when a guy is in that crisis like I was, I, I had three people reaching out to me, and, and, they, and they saved my life literally. And that's what I want to be to guys that are going through it. So, you're, when you're, you know, we try to help stabilize the emotions that they're going through and help them, you know, prevent uh, them making, you know, decisions that will have long-term impacts talk them off the ledge as we like to say, and I was talked off the ledge. So I know exactly what that ledge feels like, you know, <laughs> and then, and then move them toward um, uh, experiences and, and rebuilding their lives with habits that are really godly habits that can build a great future for them. Cause those guys are going to be hopefully future husbands. They're going to be future stepdads and they already are probably a dad. You know, what kind of guy do they need to be? And we know what kind of guy, you know, they need to be a, a man who's you know following God first. And then, uh, and then being spoken into uh, their lives. So that's that's the ultimate goal, survive, not just survive, but then to thrive and really, you know, be propelled into the great future. Okay, well, good. Well, I know, uh, guys, uh, your listeners out there, if you'd like to talk to uh, um, to Dale, you can reach out to uh, at his website, mensdivorcerecovery.org, men's, uh, and you can find that contact information, his email and, and his and his phone number that you can text him to. And I know Dale will reach out, reach back to you. And uh, uh, if he says he would, he will. And uh, so mm -hmm. I think it'll be a great opportunity because I know a lot of our guys are going through. And it's hard, it's hard for men who are struggling to talk to other men uh, mm -hmm. because a lot of times we guys, no matter what it is, and no matter if guys do know we're struggling with something, we think we're the only ones going through that struggle mm -hmm. and nobody mm -hmm. understands what we're having. Mm -hmm. and, and it's easier to talk to somebody they don't know than somebody that they do know uh, about mm -hmm. it. So, so I encourage I strongly encourage you guys listening out there. If you're going through a divorce, uh, you're contemplating a divorce, 
or any of that area uh, or you're recently divorced, that you reach out to Dale and uh, let him minister to, let him, let God use him to minister to you during this time. Dale, what last minute's words we have? We're coming up on the, our, our time here has been, been fast and quick uh, as we discussed here. What kind of last minute words do you have for our listeners today? Well, for any guy, I just always say when you get in a crisis, don't make it worse. All right. Think about how you want to finish and um, and just project forward into the future and uh, and be a, a man that when when we're talking over you at the end, that, uh, you know, we're saying awesome things about you. Your children are saying awesome things about you. And that's a legacy worth worth leaving. Okay. Very good. Well, Dale, it was great to have you on today, and uh, thank you for providing a, a quite a bit of information for a uh, number of our listeners to uh, to contemplate and reflect on as they look. And I pray that uh, some of them will reach out to you that may be going through this uh, devastating situation in their life, and uh, and allow uh, allow God to use you. It's a it's a great honor to know you and know what you're doing. It is definitely a need out there for so many men going through that. I know one of the statistics that many years ago was talked about, and it's probably much higher today, is that within our churches alone, mm-hmm. about four to five guys out of 10 will go through a divorce. And it's probably mm-hmm. higher than that today. Mm-hmm. But um, but Dale, I, I, do, I, thank, I do thank you for joining us. And if you would like to contact Dale, like I said, go out to mensdivorcerecovery.org and you'll be able to find his uh, email and his t- and his phone number that you can text and reach out. If you want to know more about uh, this mo- this uh, program, this podcast, or anything else, or if you need me to help you maybe reach out to Dale, just contact me at katefearmen at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to today's podcast of uh, Intentional Conversations, and join us next time when we do another conversation with another men's ministry leader. God bless, and goodbye. Thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Salen. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men and Men's Ministry Coalition. In case you missed something or would like to review something said, this conversation will be available on the Cape Fear Men website within the next few days. Just go to capefearmen.net slash podcast to listen. You can also find us on iTunes and Spotify, and you will be able to listen to past podcasts. If you enjoyed today's program, I would like to ask you to consider helping us keep these broadcasts coming to you by donating to Cape Fear Men by either going to capefearmen.net and clicking on the donate button at the top of the page or text CAPE, C-A-P-E, to 50155. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization and all donations are tax deductible. Thank you in advance for your donations. If you have other questions, drop us an email at capefearmen at gmail.com. Again, Intentional Conversations is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Now, as a beloved mentor used to say, after finishing our time together, I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shake your back. Join us next time on Intentional Conversations. God bless.